material that might not be suitable for children under 18. Parental guidance as well as listener guidance is suggested and recommended. Delaware Crime is not licensed in psychology or psychiatry and opinions are only based on facts of the case. Opinions are only opinions and not factual information. Every day I feel fortunate to live in Rehoboth Beach. It's an easygoing city with friendly people and so much to enjoy. From its boardwalk and beaches to its picturesque neighborhoods and small town feel, it's a place that inspires love and devotion. For me, it's great to raise a family here in Rehoboth Beach. I enjoy living near the ocean and conveniently close to everything that I need. Hello, my listeners, and welcome to another episode of Delaware Crime Podcast. My name is Nikki, and I'm hoping you're having a beautiful, sunny Monday, wherever you might be. Today, we will cover a cold case that happened in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware in 2007. So let's begin. On January 26, 2007, the Delaware State Police responded to a residence located in the 3600 block of Winter Circle in the stable farm development of Rehoboth Beach for the report of a shooting. Paula Grossi, a 45-year-old mother and grandmother, was shot and killed in her home during an invasion. To this date, the murder remains unsolved, so it's been like 14 years. Paula moved to Rehoboth in 2003. Her father, Frank Grossi, owner of the Bayside Builders at the time, built her a home in State Farms for his only daughter, who had also suffered with lupus, neuropathy, a nerve condition that affected her legs. She lived in a house with her two-year-old grandson who she cared for. Paula Grossi had recently filed court papers requesting to take full custody of her grandson from her daughter who at the time was unable to care for him properly. Frank Grossi still feels responsible for convincing Paula that a move from Wilmington, Delaware to Rehoboth would make her more safe. I talked Paul into moving down here to get away from the neighborhood that was getting bad crime-wise in Wilmington, Delaware, Frank Rossi said. There was a new crime 
in Rehoboth, and I thought it was a safer place to live. And look what happened to her. Her father felt much guilt up to the time of his death in 2014 for talking Paula into moving into Rehoboth just so she could be killed. Paula was pronounced dead at the scene. Arriving troopers learned that two more people were asleep in the second floor bedroom of the home when the shooting occurred. The two additional victims recounted the details of their experiences as they were confronted in the bedroom by the suspects and tied up by their hands and feet. The suspects then ransacked the home, taking few items before fleeing. The two additional victims were then able to free themselves and located Paula on the first floor of the home. Police said a pair of witnesses, a male relative of the Gracies, and a female friend provided a description. The witness said they were bound by the suspects who killed Paula Grossi, ransacked the home, and then fled with undisclosed property, the police said. The witnesses freed themselves and called 911, police said. Pa Paula's father, Frank Grossi, in 2007, confirmed that break-ins had occurred at the house on or about September 8th, 2007, and again in late, or, I'm sorry, in late December or early January, which was several weeks before Paula was murdered. So they, somebody was uh, robbing that place. They robbed that place on. Or, I'm sorry, they had a break-in. I don't know if they robbed the place. I couldn't find that. But So September 8th, and then it was robbed again in December, and then early January, and she died. She was killed on January 26th. So, um, the there were the only incidents to occur that occurred in this neighborhood. I mean, this is a nice neighborhood. This is not, you know, a... Yeah, a place where there were drugs or anything like that. It was a very beautiful, it was on, like near a farm, it was close to the beach. It wasn't that kind of place, but, you know, can't be safe anywhere. He said intruders did not take anything to the previous incidents, and he was unaware whether it might have been the same suspects. Yeah, that's very strange. I don't know. It very well could have Grocery said. At the time, Paula Grocery, right before her death, Paula Grocery had dropped the child, her her grandchild, off at daycare shortly before the murder occurred. No one saw a vehicle at the scene, which is another weird thing. Police said items were stolen from the house. None of the property taken was illegal. That was good, I guess. Police also said there was no forced entry. There have been speculations over the years that the murder was some sort of weird inside job. Perhaps the motive was to get the two little two-year-old two back to Paula's daughter. Many believed, even the D DSP, the Delaware State Police, that the number one suspect was Paula's own family.
and that they wanted to get an inconvenient relative out of the way and custody of the son and also believed and they and the police also believed that the prior break-ins had been staged as a lead-in they they had they might have been planning this for a long time said one officer Paul Grossi had recently filed court papers requesting to take full custody from her grandson as I said before so they arranged for her to be killed but the family members were eventually all cleared by the police. But, you know, I don't know. There wasn't much about what happened with the family members. I tried to look them up. And I did see that, like, a lot of them were doing good and had been married, had more kids or whatever. This, you know, so I, I, I'm assuming, you know, I don't know. But there wasn't much. There wasn't much about the, the son or the, the grandson or the daughter. The family members were eventually all cleared by the police, as I said. Also, with no forced entry, they had assumed it had been someone in the home that somebody knew at the time. Because if it wasn't forced entry, then they were let in, in other words. And so somebody, obviously, whether it was, it wasn't Paula, because she came in um, unexpectedly, but somebody in there, all these people that were in there, somebody knew this person. So that was kind of weird. Uh, first, first Paul's son and his girlfriend were bound while the home invaders tossed the house. They finally got themselves free and ran downstairs to find Paula Gross, Gross... I can't say her name today. I don't know why. Paula Grossi dead. Shot and killed. So why didn't the home invaders murder the other two? That's a lot of people are asking that question. Um, they just they just bound and gagged them, binding them so loosely that they managed to get free. But they shoot a middle-aged woman point bl at point-blank rage. That's kind of you know I don't know. Pretty it is a little weird, but the apparent motive is based on interviews of two people. Paula's son Rocco and a female friend who has never been identified. Both were in the house at the time of the shooting. Police have never named Rocco Grassi as one of the eyewitnesses, but friends and family identified him as being in the house at the time of the crime. And I, I don't get that because, like, you know, if they were trying to protect him or I have no idea what was going on. Maybe he's an informant. I have no idea, but they did not... But he was in the house. Uh, they eventually found out later. Okay. So Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, has a very low crime rate. I mean, now back in 2007, it really didn't have a, a high crime rate. Now, you know, 2021, life is a lot different. So there has been. But in 2007, there was, I mean, there was like no crime rate, really. Home invasions with nobody at home are rare much less with three people in the house. And a lot of the residents that lived around Paula, you know, mentioned that they believe their doors unlocked in that area. But, you know, so, and this was 2007, remember. Many thought this case stunk to high heaven, a lot of the residents. Many in the community have said that since Paula's murder, there has not been any home invasions in the area. So, um, and I think that was like right around the time, like, you know, five, they had, um, a lot of, um, 
articles about this case and some of them were five years later you know two years later one year later so it that could have been in that time range but apparently there wasn't many and I did look it up that I did look it up on the police blotter and all that kind of stuff and it there hasn't been any still to this day just that neighborhood there has not been any break-ins so that's kind of different kind of stuck in the back so anyway um so that that's kind of different you know an informant contacted so so what happened was there wasn't much on this case i just did the best that i could so an informant con was contacted an informant i'm sorry an informant contacted the authorities weeks after jan 26 so somebody called the authorities and, and said he was an informant that he knew uh, who killed 46-year-old Paula Rossi. So the father at this point, um, Frank Rossi, uh, Paula's father, he had put out a $100,000 reward. So the informant was demanding the $100,000 reward money that Gracie had offered for him information leading to an arrest so he didn't want to give any information until he got the money so that was a little strange but Gracie said no information or, her, or money has been exchanged because the informant is dragging his feet but the police were not I'm sorry but the police were not um, able to make an arrest because of the lack of information. So, um, <clears throat> Paula, you know, they, they didn't, you know, they talked to the informant and he didn't really have any information. You know, when you have an informant, um, and this is how it works, I looked it up, um, my research, that you, ha like, you know, you, you usually know information that the police don't know or the police might know it, but nobody, it wasn't in the papers, nobody knows it, so I think that was part of the problem, was he didn't have any new information. I'm not saying he didn't have any information, but, so, um, you know, it's very sad, this whole, whole thing, so I'm going to stop now for a brief commercial, and this way, uh, pay for my, uh, podcast here, and for the advertising, so I'm going to stop for a short break because this is a very short case today so i'm going to stop for a short break um about simply safe and uh, i'll be right back at home with robert retired and family man with simply safe protecting your home is a snap protection against burglary easy fire simple Breading? Protected. All connected to 24-7 professional monitoring. Nice work, team. That kind of security can really let you relax. Damn, trying to relax here. At home with I use Simply Safe myself at my house, and it is amazing, I want to say. Um, it's so easy to um, assemble and put up, and I mean, it just, it, it's unbelievable. And other um, 
thick cameras I have used, uh, doorbell cameras and everything, are just so hard to connect, and you don't know how to do it, and, and I mean, Simply Safe is so easy, I just, I couldn't even believe it myself, until I bought the whole system and took it out, and I was just like, wow, how can this be so easy, and the others can't, so I just wanted to mention that, and we love our Simply Safe, it's great for us, we don't have to worry about anybody getting in our house and we know if somebody does come and and it's just so affordable because you get like you know everything you get the kit you get you know the alarm you get the camera you get everything you know the, the alarm camera in the front door everything it's just amazing and it's so easy to connect it all you know, no more, uh, no more having problems with your thing or charging. It's all, you know, all that's done for, you know, you can get all that done um, yourself. So, um, I recommend Simply Save it. I know we love it. And it's, like, the best thing ever. And keeps your family safe. Okay, we're back. Okay, so um, we were talking about the informant. Um, now I'm going to talk about uh, Paula and her family. Um, you know, Frank, her father, he actually passed away. You know, he was so dedicated to finding her killer. And, um, you know, he was, uh, at the time, you know, he was engaged to, another, to a woman. His parents, his wife and him had divorced years and years ago. But, um... So he was really pivotal up to his death, which was what, you know, six years later, um, you know, into finding who killed his only daughter. Um, so Paul, uh, Paula was not the first child that Frank lost, and I found this, like, absolutely shocking. I mean, I can't even imagine. Okay, so, um, and I looked, he had three children, okay. And he lost all three of them, really. He lost his son, Gary, who was killed by a drunk driver in a car accident in Elkton, Maryland on Christmas Eve in 1975. So he had a 17-year-old that was killed in 1975. Really, really, really sad. And it was, he was killed by a drunk driver. Um, wasn't his fault. He was coming home from, uh, you know, some kind of sporting event, apparently, and uh, he got hit by a drunk driver. So don't drink and drive, people, because <laughs> you not only could you hurt yourself, but you can hurt other people or kill them. So obviously, so uh, that that I can't even imagine um, just losing one child. Then um, you know he was only seventeen, so. Then another child of Frank's and uh, his wife, or his ex-wife, their mother. And I didn't get much information about her. I was looked and looked and looked. There was not many inf much information about uh, Paula's mother, um, so Frank's ex-wife. But um, I know she did get remarried, but it wasn't. there was not much information. You know, we're talking about... 2007 and many people don't even want to talk or whatever so uh so then he had another son um jeffrey grossi 
and uh, and he, he apparently died of complications of AIDS, and that was in 1996. Um, and I think he was, I want to say, like, tw- he was very young. He was like, tw- they didn't say, but I would say he was like 25 um, at the time. So he, you know, it was really sad because, I mean, you know, these are people, you know, he lost, you know, um, and I think he was the youngest son, the youngest child, the youngest kid, um, you know. And back in 1996, AIDS was like, there were no, um, tr- not a lot of treatment for AIDS. And it was very sad because um, now people can, you know, with all the new treatments and research, they can live through AIDS. But, you know, back in the day, it, you know, that time. So he had another son, Jeffrey, Gross, who... Percy, who died of complications of AIDS in 1996. And then, you know, 11 years later, in 2007, he lost Paula. So I can't even imagine um, how I'd be feeling if I lost my all three of my children. And, and there's all these so young, you know. It wasn't like they were, you know, older. Or, you know, these were young. One was 17, one was in his late 20s, one was, uh, you know, 45 or whatever. So it's just unbelievable um, that, that this happened. So I, you know, I can't even imagine. Um, and, uh, you know, he he actually uh, died in, was, he died in 2014, Frank. Um, and he was remarried, so he was survived by his wife and he did have stepkids, thank God. So that was, I think that was a nice thing for him, to, you know, to have children, stepchildren that he could treat as his children. Um, so that was, so he lost his wife in, um, or I mean, he was survived by at least three stepchildren, but, you know, it's just, I can't even, I, when I read that, I was like, no, no. So um, I'm sure um, what I was going to say, he was happy in 2014, you know, not nobody's happy about passing away, I, I understand that, but um, I'm sure he was happy to see his uh, three children in heaven and be with them. Um, I thought that was, you know, and I think his dad had passed away and they had been close, so I think he was happy, you know, when he passed to be able to be with his three beautiful children. So, um, now a little more about Paula. There wasn't much on her, but I did get some um, information. So Paula was born in Wilmington, Delaware on March 29th, 1961. A talented graphic artist, she had mostly recently been employed by Xerox, which I don't even know if they exist anymore, but they probably do, and I don't know about it. But, um, you know, as I said, her brother had passed away from AIDS, so um, Paula was, she, and that, like, you know, really affected her, apparently, her people said. And uh, so Paula was in a champion of AIDS awareness and research. She, after she lost her brother, Jeffrey, she was, um, she served as the captain of the Jeffrey Grassi, I'm sorry, Grassi Memorial Team for the annual AIDS walk from 1995 up to her death in 2007. And, uh, you know, her brother didn't die until 1996, so I think he was, from what I hear, he was very, very happy um, that she was involved in that. And, you know, let's, you know, 
definitely a you know a uh, impressive because now there's you know all that AIDS awareness and um, more you know the money that goes towards AIDS cures that that has helped a lot of people so I you know wonderful and uh, that was a wonderful thing she sounded like she had a huge heart uh, she also served as a treasurer of the Stable Farm Home Association um, and I think she also worked for her dad at the um, building at his building business or his builder you know um, so that was uh, you know she was very involved in a lot of things she was involved in many um, char much charity work and advocating for many causes uh, when she lived in Wilmington she was very involved with the Parent Information Center because her kids were little then and you know it just she was involved in a lot of things uh, above all Paula was a de loving and devoted mother who cherished her children Rocco, Gracie of Rehoboth, um, and daughter Trisha and Gracie of Rehoboth, and grandson Anthony Michael Gracie of Rehoboth dearly. So she cherished, you know, there was problems, you know, and every, you know, every family has issues, you know, but you get over them, and uh, even with all the ups and downs to this day, the children miss their mother so much. And, and that is sad. I mean, they, you know, from what I heard, and they, they're, you know, um, when you do the research, you see a lot of things, and the children are, are just, you know, not having your mother around. I don't care how long it is, that's very tough. You know, I know people who've lost their mother young, and it's a very tough thing. Um, Paula was a loving person who had who had many who loved her, counted on her. Also, many friends and admirers. Um, she had over a thousand people show up at her funeral, which says something about what kind of person she was. Her father Frank said before his death, before his death in two thousand fourteen. And at the time of her death in 2017, he said that she, you know, people just loved her. She was just so loving and kind and selfless. So, um, you know, this is a short one today, folks. I figured since I did uh, two long ones, two, two weeks in a row with the Henry Faye case, um, I thought I'd do a little, you know, little one today. So, um, so we might never know um why what or who killed paula rossi you know um when i talked about her children you know i don't they were clear so i didn't have nothing to do with them them but it could have been somebody they knew or you know maybe they were afraid to tell i don't know and we will never know so you know the best thing we can do is just pray and you know keep the, the word out there and that's what I wanted to do this case I'm going to be doing a lot of cases like this where you know they're the information um we're going to put the information out and then also I'll be doing like little videos about the case and posting them on you know different social media outlets because I would really would like to see these cases get solved and have some closure for the family so like I said we might know know why or what or who killed Paula Rossi but even though even through her dedicated, I'm sorry, even through her dedicated advocate father who was a champion in finding out who murdered her, his daughter, 
friend and you know he's gone so other family members and friends still determined to keep trying to find her killers even after 14 years many loved ones and friends of Paula said she couldn't imagine they, that they you know that they couldn't imagine the frustration of Paula's mother children and other fam and the other family feels um, I don't know how they go through the pain of not knowing all these years so pretty much when Frank Rossi passed away in 2014 the case just you know after a few years it just went cold um, and I know you know I'm not saying that it was the police's fault I you know they just didn't have any hits you know and that's just the way it is with these cases so we you know we need to you know do our best to try to find out who you know does these things so they can be held accountable you know when they're not found they're just living their life after they kill somebody that's not right um so anyway so those in the house at the time were able to provide a description of the suspects and uh so i'm gonna tell you that and then what I would do is I will put pictures of the suspects and everything um, and the composite pictures on my Facebook page, you know, Delaware Crime Facebook page. And that will be on my uh, episode description. And uh, so here is um, one of the suspects who had a series of three teardrop tattoos. So that's like this teardrop with a greenish tinge under his left eye. So I don't know what that means. I don't know if you had a little tattoo there. I don't know. And he's a white male, about 40, 40 years old, which that's pretty strange. Five feet six inches tall, weighing about 200 pounds. And the other white male is about 20 to 25 years old and unshaven. So that's very different that, uh, you know, that they had two um, different ages like that. Um, so the other one, I'm sorry, the other one is 20 to 25 years old, unshaven, 5 feet 7 inches tall, weighing about 170 pounds. So I will post these composites and drawings on the Delaware Crime Facebook page. So, um, you know, if you, and that'll be my description, also with my email, if you or anyone you know has any information about who killed Paul LaRossi, in January 2007 in Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, please contact Delaware Crime Stoppers at 800-TIP, so it's 800-TIP-3333 or 302-739-5952. Or go on the website and go to tip submit and what it says on the website is the calls are received by our network answering service crime scene information call center no caller ID or recorded conversations your tip information is then forwarded through the Delaware Crime Stoppers to the proper law enforcement agency by guaranteeing a caller's animosity Crime Shepherds allows the callers to give information um, about what happens and, you know, then they're not, um, you know, there's no problem with them being, you know, it's a private thing. If you give a tip, you know, um, 
I'm not sure if you have to give your name, but it, it definitely, you know, it's not going to be like putting the papers or anything. So that's really good. Um, you know, it's, you're just like, it's anonymous. You can be anonymous pretty much. So that's good, you know, um, because it doesn't, it shouldn't matter, you know, um, you should be allowed to be anonymous. It might be like a fear thing, you know, that you're afraid that you're going to get, something's going to happen. Um, and there, so there's a safe, protected manner without the prospect of retribution by, and they, by offering cash rewards for information leading to the arrest. The program encourages encourages otherwise reluctant callers to provide information. So there you go. You can also call the Delaware State Police Force um, Force. I'm sorry, Rehoboth location, Troop Seven by calling 302-644-5020. And I'll have all this information on my Facebook page too, um, or the Delaware Crime Facebook page. Or call 911. You can follow the Delaware State Police by clicking on Delaware State Police official website. And they also have Crime Stoppers on there. Uh, face on uh, the website or Facebook or Twitter or even next door, which is a, you know, a, you know, like a community thing. I think I mentioned that last week. Uh, well, so that's a wrap, folks. Um, thank you for listening. It means so much to me. Tune in next week for another episode of Delaware Crime Podcast. For clips and photos of this case and others, log on to the Delaware Crime Facebook page, which will be in the episode description. Hope you all have a wonderful and blessed week. Delaware Crime Audio is a is an audio Francis production. What do you think, France? Okay, mom. <laughs>